Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There's a serious challenge facing uh, the world. That's the empty planet challenge. But also, uh, most Canadians believe violence increased during COVID. Now, I would have thought, my answer would have been, No, I don't think so. But 58% of Canadians believe there has been more violence in their community since the pandemic began three years ago today. That's when it was declared officially by the World Health Organization. And 65%, Ipsos found out, believe it's because the pandemic has negatively impacted mental health. Daryl Bricker joins us on The Roy Green Show. How are you, Daryl? I'm doing great, Roy. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, good to talk to you, as always. So this is the third anniversary of COVID-19 being officially declared a pandemic. And uh, you have more than half of the national population saying there's been a, an increase in violence in their community. How do they define that? How do they come up with this? Well, I think, you know, for example, where I am today in, in the city of Toronto, it's no surprise that people are feeling like they're more likely to uh, either witness violence or, or potentially be a victim of violence in Toronto, basically because of what's been happening, particularly in places like the subway. Now, whether it's actually happening to them, hard to say. Uh, But the perception that they are more in danger now is definitely moved up through the course of the pandemic. And, you know, uh, as you you mentioned before, uh, the relationship to mental health is part of this. And we certainly saw through our tracking um, over the space of the last three years, through the pandemic, that was one of the things that people kept saying to us over and over again. And I know we, we talked about it on this show, that they were f- really feeling a lot of stress uh, and that they felt that their uh, mental health had been negatively affected uh, by the pandemic and, you know, all the things about being locked up and the way they had to restrict their lives. So it, not, I don't think it would be very surprising to anybody hearing those numbers that, uh, that that's what people think. Yeah, you know, I should have uh, thought about this being perhaps... Uh, more of an urban uh, response than than a rural response. Is that the case? Yeah, that, that's what you do see. I mean, if, if people, for example, in a major city are using transit these days, they're certainly feeling the pressure of uh, the potential for violence. And, and, you know, there has been violence. Yes. Uh, so when you compare, for example, even people living in the 905 to people living in the 416, over half the people in the 416 feel that taking the subway, they have to be more careful about their safety. Mm-hmm. I live in the 905 area code, and uh, just just my own experience, I don't feel any um, more challenged or feel I believe, I don't feel like I live in a more challenged environment than I did three years ago, but I suppose if I asked my neighbors, they might come up with an entirely different response. Does demographics come into play? Yeah, I think, you know, when you, when you talk to people who are actually younger, they're the ones who are feeling it more. Uh, than people who are older. And maybe that's because they're out and about a little bit more. Maybe they're taking public transit a little bit more. Maybe they're going into situations, uh, you know, for example, in school where they might be feeling like there's a there's some level of exposure to to, uh, to uh, 
to danger that somebody, if they're spending most of their time at home, wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily feel the same way. So, yeah, it, it tends to be younger people as, rather than older people. Okay, so it says here in the Global News story, half of the respondents also blamed the breakdown of common values and social cohesion, and a similar proportion said economic uncertainty is, um, is involved. And, and I've had conversations with friends about this whole issue of common values being, I don't know if the word sacrificed is appropriate or not, but the common values that seem to exist uh, for, for, for so many years, um, the, 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 the view, Daryl, that I hear expressed, expressed repeatedly is they are no more. Not just that they're reduced, but they are no more. Is that what you heard? Well, I, th- I think, you know, anybody who's, you know, lived in this country and, and has been paid, a, paid attention uh, to what's been happening in this country over the space of the last, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years, has to feel that the, the country has become more coarse. Uh, you, can, you can look at your, uh, you know, whatever excuse that you want to or whatever explanation. Explanations and excuses, by the way, tend to get confused, I think, an awful lot. But um, uh, social media is part of this. Yeah. Uh, uh, certain things that, get, that tend to uh, lead media reporting are part of this, mm-hmm. but also a sense that you know, even basic things in this country don't seem to work as well as they used to. So, for example, you know, we're getting all sorts of warnings about uh, flights out of uh, out of uh, out of airports being uh, uh, being restricted. Well, that's not something that we used to have. Or, you know, uh, railways uh, transportation uh, railways breaking down, or or just about anything that you look at in terms of public services. Not not people not feeling that they're they're uh, that they're as good as they used to be. Uh, these are all reflections of that. And, and what all of these things do is it, they tend to push people out of the community and they tend to push them to themselves. And, and what you end up getting on the, in the most negative perspective here is people feeling that, um, you know, either becoming completely narcissistic, and we're seeing a ton of that in the world these days, or people feeling like, you know, I'm only going to take care of myself. I'm only going to take care of the people who are close to me. And the rest of the world, that's up to them. Yeah. Uh, women don't feel safe, do they? No, uh, women do not feel safe. Particularly, young women don't feel safe, uh, and, uh, and and with justification. I mean, one of the scarier things things that's been happening when it comes to, say, for example, public transportation issues that we've been seeing lately is the complete randomness of them. Uh, and whenever you see something that's random, you can mm-hmm. see yourself being in that place. Yes. And if you're a young woman um, uh, who uh, uh, is 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 uh, potentially physically exposed in a way that, say, for example, a, a, a young man may not necessarily be, you're, you're, you've got to be concerned. I mean, I live fairly close to High Park, and we had two people, one person wounded, another person killed randomly by some person, stranger they didn't even know, on the subway at the High Park subway platform. Well, my, my wife and daughter are terrified. Yeah. And, you know, with justification. So if in my own inner circle people are feeling that way, it doesn't take very much to extend that to the rest of the population. And then when you take a look at the data and what people are telling us back, you say, okay, well, there's your explanation. You know, it's interesting what you've been telling me for the last few minutes has actually changed my view of what my answer would have been to, to, to your question had you called my house and said, do you think it's a more dangerous or more violent world now than it was three years ago? Just listening to what you said, and I, I, I probably would change my response now. And people don't uh, see much hope of, of improvement, do they? No. And this, the really sad part of all this, Roy, is when you actually look at crime statistics, you know, in a really rational way, 
most of the things that people are worried about are actually down. Now, some there's some violent um, uh, incidents that are, that are have been up over time, but most of the things that relate to uh, to uh, criminal activity, potential for violence, the, the numbers on those are actually down. But it's not the facts that drive what what's going on here. It's it's how people feel about it, and how they're feeling right now is jeopardized and unsafe. Uh, it's a very interesting story, and it's. A really interesting number, and then when it's broken down into categories, into uh, and into into gender and demos, yeah, it's 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 important. Uh, and uh, disturbing is that eighty percent of people don't see things improving. Um, a serious challenge facing the world, says our friend Daryl Bricker, the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. A world with a declining population and the related issues the world will face. In his book Empty Planet, co-written with John Ibbotson. Mr. Brooker points to massive disruptions to be faced by businesses, the international economy, and society. Now, get this. More than 30 countries are expected to lose half their populations by the end of this century. And I wonder, what will this mean to the newborn of today who, Daryl, by then will be the world's senior citizens? They're going to go through quite a metamorphosis, aren't they? Yeah, they certainly are. And uh, unfortunately, the newborns of today are going to be the ones that are going to be paying for the increasingly aging populations in, in all, all over the world. And, uh, you know, we don't have pension systems that are really set up to deal with what we're going to be going through over the next while, let alone healthcare systems set up to deal with what we're going to be going through. So, so why is this happening? We stopped having kids. It's a, it's a very simple answer. I mean, if you go back to 1960 in Canada, and we'll just use Canada as the example, the average Canadian woman had four kids in her lifetime today. Uh, the average Canadian woman has 1.4 kids. That was the lowest rate, by the way, recorded um, by Statistics Canada ever for the birth rate in Canada, and it was for last year. And you say to yourself, nobody can have 1.4 kids, obviously. It's the average. Uh, but uh, the most frequent number of children in a household in Canada today is one. Wow. And, um, well, that's obviously not sustainable. And wh where is it going to hit hardest. If we look at our societies, and I imagine, Daryl, when you and, uh, and John wrote the book and published it initially, and you talked about the planet being, population being reduced, you would have been challenged about that, no? Ridiculed. Ridiculed, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because, you know, we had a bunch of demographers and, you know, the standard uh, uh, position on this is that, you know, the global population is exploding and, you know, we're uh, eating ourselves out of resources. There's no way that we can maintain uh, the, the population growth levels that we're experiencing and you know uh, we're about to go over a cliff and the truth is even you know when the when we wrote the book four or five years ago when it first came out uh it was that wasn't even true then uh but what's happened now is there's been enough data that's come out and by the way roy this is not personal opinion stuff it's it's really data derived um there's been enough data coming out over the space of the last four years that's basically shown that john Evans and i were absolutely correct and you're seeing a lot of people change their tone on this issue. And one of the big reasons for that is countries like China, um, for example, their birth rate has dropped down to you know close to one. And India now is below replacement rate. It's at two rather than both the 2.3 or 2.4. It needs to be at, at just to, to replace its population, number of people who are dying. And that's 36% of the globe's population right there. And if, and if they've stopped having kids, it almost doesn't matter what happens anyplace else. Yeah, more than 30 countries expected to lose half their populations by the end of the century. So um, how does this impact society generally then? 
Well, the way it impacts society is that it's not just that the population is going to peak and start to uh, decline uh, when we hit mid-century. It's that the population that's going to be peaking and declining is going to be pretty old. So uh, just you know, for everybody listening here, here's, here's a fact for you. Uh, by the year 2030, so we're not talking a long time off, only seven years off. By the year 2030, the entire global baby boom is going to be 65 years of age or older. Yeah, that's true. By the time we get to 2040, yeah. 2050, the entire baby boom is going to leave, uh, leave, the, leave, leave this mortal coil. And this is the largest generation in history. And the population, we think that there's tons and tons and tons of younger people that are going to be following on this. No, actually, the, the people that we think are young these days are actually older than we think. Say, for example, like millennials. Many of them are now into their 40s. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's not that the population is just going to contract. It's that it's going to be a lot older uh, than it is today. And old populations are not reproductive populations. So our ability to even replace the people who are on the, the planet today gets worse and worse every day. So if we look at Canada then, what will Canada look like 50 years from now? Well, the government of Canada has got one solution that it's been pursuing with a wild abandon over the space of the last 20 years. By the way, all political parties agree with that, and that's massive immigration. We bring in more than 1% of our population now every year through immigration. And that's a way in the short term to offset some of this population aging. But if we didn't have immigration, there aren't enough um, young people to replace the number of people who are dying in this country right now every year. So our population's on the, you know, on the precipice of starting to shrink. So you, know, you can bring in immigrants in the short term to try and deal with this. But the thing is, immigrants don't come in at the age of zero. So you know, it, it's only going to be a short-term uh, period of time until the immigrants we're, we're bringing in are going to be older. And all the countries w- in which we're bringing immigrants in from places like China and India, mostly from Pacific nations, are running out of immigrants to send to us. Now, it's not going to happen tomorrow. But over the space of the next 25 years, it's definitely going to start to be an issue because the Chinese population is the most rapidly aging population in the world. And India is not going to be far off from, uh, well, there are quite a distance, but they're also going to be rapidly aging uh, as we go forward. So there's going to be competition for immigrants going uh, when we start looking at, uh, you know, mid-century. So, so massive disruptions for the business world, for the economies of the world. Yeah, and what we tend to get this one wrong, Roy, is we think it's all about the workplace. Um, it's all about labor forces. It's all about trying to keep people working and uh, trying to find people to, uh, uh, to replace the workers who are going to be retiring. That's the low-hanging fruit of this game. Uh, there's all sorts of things that we can do. We can you know, increase uh, retirement age. We can, uh, we can look at you know, technological solutions for production. The real problem that we've got, and almost nobody talks about, is about, about this, is consumption. Our economy, particularly since the end of the Second World War, has really been driven by consumerism. And young people consume, old people hoard. <laughs> and and yeah. the problem that we're going to have is all of the things that are necessary for driving economic growth to pay for those pension plans and the health care system that we want to have yeah. and all the things that we all value in our lives, well, they're not going to be created when you've got a whole bunch of old people basically sitting on the wealth that they have. Um, So we're going to have to change the way that we look at what a consumer is. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 